This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code ManageSmarter for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Well, you know, Lee, this is going to be super informative for a couple of different reasons. Tax season is uh, Mm -hmm. pressing down upon all of us. And we have a female rock star entrepreneur who's got some really great thoughts about delegation and also work-life balance. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And you know, Audrey, there aren't many things that I'm afraid of, uh, but the IRS is one of them. So (laughs) I'm very curious (laughs) to hear what Rachel has to say about that. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. Rachel Michaelov is a founder and CEO of Empire Tax Professionals and is a licensed enrolled agent who is licensed by the IRS and her team of about 20, right? Helps the clients handle bookkeeping, payroll, tax needs all under one roof. She uh, helps the clients correspond directly with the dreaded IRS, as you would say, Lee. That's Lee's... (laughs) (laughs) Partnership, partnering with the IRS to resolve disputes and notices and specialties lie in helping small business owners, many of you in our audience, optimize taxes and achieve financial success as a result. And she's the mother of four beautiful boys. So you're just not busy at all, Rachel. You're just plenty of free time, right? Yeah. (laughs) Overworking and yeah, but I try to delegate as much as I can so I could, you know, manage everything the right way. Sure. Well, let's, let's get the tax thing out of the way first before we start talking about um, personal professional life and all that. For 2020, what were some of the changes that our um, entrepreneurs and small business owners and managers who are responsible for keeping paperwork straight should be thinking about for this year? So there is actually, um, you know, there's just so many changes. And one of the changes is that you no longer can't deduct your um, you know, employee business expenses on your tax return. So that's one thing that a lot of managers really uh, need to think about. Um, and I think like the IRS audit risks are also a lot higher for small businesses. So they need to just manage their expenses and make sure that they have their books in order um, on a monthly basis versus on an annual basis. Um, there's, um, you know, now no alimony deduction this year as well. And there's so many, um, you know, there there's just a lot of, changes that are happening. The, the property taxes is limited to $10,000. That's another major change. So if a lot of people are living in New York State, um, you know, your the property tax deduction is limited. So they, they want to utilize other um, strategies that they could, you know, that they could, I mean, it really depends on their, on their situation. So they want to make sure that they're getting the most that they can and they speak to a professional to see what other strategies they're able to utilize um, for the 2020 new tax changes, the, the I, new rules. I think that's a very important point that you make there too, because if you're a manager in a company, then and, and let's say you've got employees that are that are talking to you about taxes or something like that, utilize the resources that you have and maybe redirect them to. Would you say re- redirecting them to HR, who are the experts as far as payroll, taxes, benefits, and everything like that might be a, 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 the better play there? Um, it can be, and they could also maybe reach out to their accountant and ask them since they know. Um, their entire situation. A lot of times HR 
Um, they may give the proper advice and sometimes they don't, especially with the W-4 withholdings. We see that a lot of people are overpaying on their taxes or their, their, um, their withholdings are incorrect and you know, the, the HR is not really giving the proper advice. So sometimes they could speak to HR or they could speak to their accountant who understands their complete situation and give them specific advice for their situation. Sounds like you're saying the, the accountant is, a better, is the better approach there. Yes, I, I would say that. Someone that really understands um, business and personal and that has experience with business and personal because a lot of accountants just have personal experience, personal tax experience or they just have business tax experience. They really want to speak to someone that has, um, you know, that understands both the business and the personal so they could give them proper advice. And like you said, you're recommending that a manager um, or C-suiteers do their P&Ls monthly instead of looking at everything at the end of the year. And I've been guilty of that myself, Rachel. I'll totally cop to that. Like it being a train wreck and a, a shoebox full of receipts and worksheets and everything. And it's just, oh my God. Yeah. A lot of business owners come to us and they're, they're so confused. You know, at the end of the year, they don't even know what they spent in February and they forget and they estimate a lot of their expenses. So at the end of the year, what happens is when you don't deduct an expense, you end up overpaying in taxes. And that's just money that you could have reduced your tax liability if you, if you did do the bookkeeping on a monthly basis versus annually. I had read that uh, you were prior to starting your own company, uh, that you also had uh, worked for a CPA firm where you managed 20 accountants. And I wanted to know if you could uh, compare and contrast what it was like to manage 20 accountants for somebody else versus managing 20 people running your own railroad. So in the past, in the, in the CPA firm, I uh, managed, you know, 20 accountants where I had to delegate the work to them and they had to, and it would come to me where I would be the senior tax manager and I would review the returns, review the bookkeeping, review everything to make sure that, you know, everything is accurate. Right now, since I'm the CEO, I have a senior tax manager that does that for me. And I, and I manage the marketing, I manage the sales, I delegate. I, the key thing is, like Tony Robbins says, you want to do two things. You either delegate it to the appropriate person or you delete it from your list. Um, so, that I mean, I, what I do is because I have so many people, I just delegate it as much as I can. And what we, the, way, the best way that I recommend for people to delegate is we have an OTA sheet, which is outcome, transparency, and accountability. When we delegate the key things to a specific person, I want to make sure that they know the outcome that we want from this project. Transparency means everything that they need to know in order for this project to be 100% complete, completed you know, accurately. And then accountability is who's going to do the project. And once we fill out the OTA sheet, we give it over and they, it comes back. Um, you know, it, it, there's like less, less mistakes and it's, it's done the right way. And that's how I'm able to manage so many people on my team and get more done. I love that you have a worksheet for that because then it gets everybody, literally, this bad pun on the same page. But um, one of the other areas of expertise that you like to talk about is your expertise in mindset. So, I mean, you could give somebody one of those worksheets, but they may dread the task. How do you get people to sort of be, you know, amped up and excited about executing? That's such a good um, question because I actually had, um, I gave one task to one of my marketing uh, managers and he said, I said, you know, is this done? And he's like, no, I just can't, I can't understand this. I, I told him, I said, listen, just think about the task. You just think about the end result. It's not that complicated. I said, imagine in your mind, you know, what the steps will, what, what the steps you need to do in order for you to get the job done and don't get so, um, 
into the, the details of it. I said, if you need to delegate it, then delegate it. If you need to ask me a question, then ask me. If you need to research the project in order for you to get it done, do the research, but understand what needs to be done and think about the end result. Don't think about the little details and you just got to have the motivation to do it. And I motivate a lot of my team. And I said, it's just, it's a mental game. You need to just take, take the project like a lion, um, take ownership of it and just make sure that you get it done and just, just start. All you need to do is just start and little by little, it's just going to get easier. And then how you chart the progress. I mean, how you get them then to feel good about or comfortable with as far as sharing their progress and updating you on that. Um, how, repeat that. I'm sorry. So as far as, so once you've gotten them started on the project and you've got them in the proper mindset for that, then uh, having those accountability conversations where you're keeping them on task and giving, and giving you uh, regular updates on, on how things are progressing. Right. So we have like a weekly meeting um, to see where, where the, um, where they are in the project. And I also like my coach says that I need to coach my team. So if they ever, ever have a question, they come to me, we have like a 20 minute meeting on a daily basis if they need the help. And I coach them and I say, okay, this is what you need to do. Or um, on a weekly basis, they coach me and they give me their end of day um, emails where they say, okay, Rachel, this is what I completed. This is, these are the tasks that I still need to do. And if they need any help, they specifically need to ask me. And we have like a, a master pending sheet where all the tasks are there the description of what needs to be done, the date that it needs to be done by, and then who's responsible, um, who's the point of contact for that specific task. And I'm able to see on a day-to-day -day basis, is it getting done, is it not getting done? And if it's not, then I, I have a meeting and say, okay, where is my team getting stuck and what do they need to do in order for them to complete that project? The website, everybody, is Empire Tax USA. One of the things that impressed me about you, and if I were an employee of yours, Rachel, would be the fact that when you started the firm, it's a national firm. You said that you're basically able to do business with anybody in all 50 states, correct? Yes, that is correct. So you kind of like have the New York attitude, go big or go home. What made you decide to set up that model as opposed to something more backyard? Um, I just wanted to help more people. I wanted to, you know, just help a lot of business owners. I don't know if you know, but my father, um, you know, ended up overpaying about a, more than a million dollars in taxes. Ouch. Yeah, wow. he... Yeah, and, and he actually got deported because he didn't pay his taxes. Like literally, U.S. Marshals came to my house, picked my dad up, and I remember, you know, crying. And I'm like, oh my God, what happened? You know, what what is going on? And I re I promised myself I was like 18 years old at the time that I want to make sure that no business owner ever goes through what my dad did. And the reason that my dad went through that is because. His accountant didn't really guide him and he didn't really educate him on what his responsibilities were or, you know, they, he, he just relied on his accountant. He hoped that everything was done right. And my, my dad was just a car dealer working, you know, in the business, didn't really understand what needed to be done as far as taxes, accounting, filing payroll returns or sales tax returns. And I said that I want to help and make an impact, you know, around the world and help business owners share my story so other business owners won't make the same mistake so we could work together versus them just delegating the task to the accountant and they just get it done. But we educate our business owners, letting them know what their tax obligations are, what they need to do and why they need to do it. So, you know, they, they understand the law and, and that's my, my real why. So, yeah, so many um, times that, that that clarity of vision comes from actually having a personal story, and that's what drives the company and and sets the mission and the values for the company. So I was delighted that you shared that with us. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, th that that's why I went national because I, I just, I want to help the entire world. It's not even about the money. I just, you know, hopefully in two years, I just want to, you know, speak at nationally and, and tell people that this is what they, what they need to do. Just maybe give conferences for free or may even make my own workshops just because the world really needs to understand what their obligations are. Because the IRS does a very bad job letting people mm -hmm. know what their obligations are. And in college, they don't even teach what their obligations are. They don't teach any, it's, it's nowhere. No, Business right. owners, you know, they rely on their accountant and the accountant is most of the time, it's their old school. They just say what they need to do and when they need to do it by, but they don't educate the business owners. And I think that's where um, my father really, I don't know, he just, he just, I don't know, he just failed, I guess, in this situation because of, you know, because of the wrong guidance. He did what a lot of people do, which is what I've done. So and obviously I need to call you, Rachel, <laughs> have you do my taxes. But, the, you know, I think, well, I'm paying this person to prepare them and they're signing off on it. And so it's right. got to be right, you know, because right. they're at risk. Um, you know, they're signing the return along with me. Right. Yeah, same thing with, how, you know, same thing with my dad. He hired an accountant. He relied on him. And then the sales tax numbers were incorrect. And I, I guess, I don't know what happened. I was really young at that time, but I guess the accountant did not ask the right questions. So my father didn't answer correctly. I believe it's the accountant's responsibility to ask the right questions from the business owner so they could fill out the returns correctly and make sure that everything is accurate, even though, you know, they're signing the returns, but it, it's just the responsibility. A lot of accountants, they're so, you know, they're a lot, they're like just robotic enter the numbers, fill out the sheet, tell people where they need to sign and submit it. But we want to have a relationship. We want to have a conversation with the client and say, hey, are you trying to open your own business? If yes, you need a corporation. Does it make sense for you to open it now? Are you going to hire your employees? Do they need to be W-2 or 1099? Are you going to be making more than you know $10,000 on an annual basis? Do you need to pay your estimated tax payments quarterly? There's so many specific questions that lead to other things and accountants really need to be just more proactive and ask the right questions so they don't, you know, it doesn't, whatever happened to my dad doesn't happen again. So, so I'm guessing then that just going down to the corner of franchised uh, tax preparation service, something like that is, is not always going to get the job done for someone who's got a side hustle or starting up their own company. I agree with that. Yes. A lot of the franchises, they mainly focus on individual returns. They have like probably one or two W-2s, two or three kids that have daycare deductions. They own a home and that's really about it. But if you're a business owner, you really need to have an accountant that understands the business. Sometimes when you sell a specific product, you would need to sell, you would need to register with the proper states with sale, you know, sales tax. Um, if a lot of our clients, they sell on Amazon, so now you need to understand mm. the nexus rules and you need to register with different states. Um, you know, if you're going to hire your employee or you're going to put somebody on payroll, you need to register with Department of Labor and have the proper licenses on the wall. And I, I, I mean, I know that a lot of the franchises, they won't know what the obligations are for business and they won't, won't really guide the business owner 100%. They mainly focus on small individual clients. Those Nexus laws are really important there because we have people that, as you said, they sell on eBay, they sell on Amazon or Etsy or something like that. Right. Uh, go in a little bit more detail about that because it's something I bet you a lot of people listening right now don't know a lot about. Yeah, so we have a lot of clients that are Amazon sellers, e-commerce sellers. They sell, sell on Shopify, they sell on eBay. And you know, we recently had a client that made $600,000 and he wasn't even registered with sales tax in his own state. Ooh. 
So at the very least, you need to register with your own state. And even if they can't afford an accountant, I would recommend um, getting the app, uh, getting us, you know, signing up with TaxJar. They, you know, they let you know what nexus, what's, what states they have nexus in. They give you the proper um, states, but sometimes the settings are not even done right. So that's when people come to us and they say, hey, I register with TaxJar and they're telling me that I need to register in 20 states. Is that accurate? Like, it, you know, it's overwhelming for them, for them to register in 20 states and, and they need, like, there, there's a software that it could, it could do so much, but you need the software and the guidance to make sure that the job is 100% done. Um, so sales tax is one of the biggest things. And, and by the way, that's where my father got in trouble because mm. he was collecting the sales tax, but he was not remitting it because mm. he thought that, you know, he, he didn't understand, you know, oh, he thought that he was selling a car for $50,000 and now he needs to reduce um, the price by 8%. And now he needs to give it to New York State, um, you know, friend, the tax and finance. He, nobody really guided him. So he was really he, you know, he, he wasn't even collecting the sales tax as well from the client. So he thought, okay, he's selling a car for $50,000. He's not going to collect the sales tax, you know, and because of that, he doesn't need to give it. But New York state and other states say, even if you collect it or not, you're still required to remit the sales tax to New York state. And that makes a lot of Amazon sellers at a loss because their mm -hmm. profit margins are so low. It's also really important on this nexus topic uh, is that the people understand that even if you don't have an employee in another state or you don't have a, an office or, or a plant or anything like that in another state where the st various states have different laws based on what you're selling or whatever, that you may still have to charge sales tax and pay sales exactly. tax. Well, um, I'm, I'd like to know a little bit more about um, best practices that you have. You've fired everybody up now. Now I'm worried about this. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, oh, my God, Rachel, like I got to pay way more attention to this in 2020. So is there a best practice recommendation is, or it might just be as often as you have to? Let's say I found you, you're consultative. How often should I at the minimum be coming in and comparing my books numbers with your numbers? And... Uh, taking some time to really keep an eye on this per quarter? At a minimum, I would say business owners really need to be looking at their profit and loss reports on a monthly basis. Um, I would even recommend for them to do the bookkeeping on their own, especially if they're making less than $10,000 um, a month. So if, if a company is making five to $10,000 a month, they should be doing the bookkeeping themselves so they're understanding where their expenses are, are going. And if they want to meet an accountant, at a minimum, I would recommend meeting them on a quarterly basis to see if they're required to pay estimated tax payments. Because if you don't pay estimated tax payments, then you have a huge unexpected tax bill at the end of the year, and you get an estimated tax penalty for not paying the taxes quarterly. Now, IRS has specific estimated tax deadlines that need to be um, you know, the, the taxes must be paid by. So the first quarter is April 15th. The second quarter is June 15th. Third is September 15th. And the fourth is January 15th. So if business owners understand those dates and they say, okay, this quarter I made this much money. Do I need to pay estimated tax payments by April 15th? If they do, then at least they come to the accountant April 1st and they make the payment on time. And then the second quarter and the third quarter, at least they there. And then if they sell a product or if they have Nexus, at least they could speak to the accountant on a quarterly basis and see what their obligations are. Also, if they're going to hire an employee, the net, you know, they may not hire their employee the first quarter, but the second quarter they may need to hire. 
And we've seen a lot of business owners put their employees as a 1099 and they should be on a W-2. So mm -hmm. IRS is penalizing business owners because they're misclassifying their employees as independent contractors and then they get a fine or they get a huge workers' comp penalty. And, um, you know, I, I think on a quarterly basis, because there's just so many things that are, that are, um, that are I guess, not fixed and on, as a business owner if you're growing you need to speak to your accountant on a quarterly basis rachel my last question to you is a question i've always wanted to ask somebody because i'm, I'm listening to like you know, business radio on, on my on my drive home from the office and you know i hear these ads on the radio for oh rachel's dad had a oh the irs a million dollars but they we negotiated with the irs and they got his payments down to 100 dollars. is that realistic no it's not really realistic. I don't, I mean, those are mainly offer and compromises, you know, that a lot of, um, you know, the, these advertisings are made by offer and compromises. It's not really real. My dad wasn't able to reduce his bill because it's sales tax, whether, you know, with payroll tax too, no matter what, you, there's no way that you're able to reduce the tax because you collected it from the employee or you collected it from the, the client or, and, and you're supposed to remit it. Now I had, I had a client that's, um, 80 years old, he owed about over $100,000 in taxes. His wife had cancer. He recently lost his son. Oh and, you know, we had a lot of client co companies that we, we actually partnered up with and we tried to reduce his, his um, tax bill and we couldn't. The IRS did not allow it because he was a teacher working full time. Um, and the IRS said that if you have potential to make more money, then you can pay the tax and you're not disabled, and I'm sorry, they said like, we, I mean, they don't really care, his wife passed away from cancer, his son passed away, I believe from a heart attack, and they gave him absolutely no break. Um, and I, I mean, I personally, I don't think it's true, you just need to pay your taxes, and what you could do is just partner up with an accountant who can lower your bill um, on a monthly basis, so you don't have this large bill at the end, end of the year, and, and then now you need, you're, you're asking for help. Yeah, well, if you want to get out in front of it for 2020, I think a phone call or visit to Rachel's website uh, and firm is indicated. Rachel, this is great information. It's empiretaxusa.com, everybody. Rachel, we really appreciate you coming on the show. This is great, great advice. We could probably do another hour on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So everybody, tell a friend or colleague about the Manage Smarter Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. We would love if you would give us five stars. It really helps spread the reach of the show. And Rachel's been fantastic today. ManageSmarter.com is where all the episodes live. And if you would like to suggest a guest, we also have a form you can fill out on there as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>